This is NBA Mate, UK show about NBA basketball, and I'm your host Dennis bringing you another small bite episode. Having started on Wednesday with my list of most exciting potential finals matchups, I will keep my focus on the upcoming season. It can't come fast enough and now that we are in the last phase of the offseason and the Donovan Mitchell trade was completed, it feels like there is not many stories left to untangle before the new campaign starts. Therefore, today I will discuss the MVP award next season and who are the dark horse candidates for it. When talking about the most prestigious individual regular season award in the NBA, a couple of candidates pop into the NBA's fan collective mind immediately. Nikola Jokic, Joe Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic. And considering how great each of them is, and as long as they stay healthy, they still will be in the mix. Jokic and Embiid might lose votes and wider attention because in Joker's case, he won it twice in a row, we all know about the voter fatigue phenomenon, plus he gets his second and third best players Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back, so his offensive numbers could go down, and for Embiid he will share the floor for the whole season with another MVP for the first time in his career. And as I've said in previous episodes, James Harden has high aspirations to get back to his Houston days, and we've seen how two MVP caliber players can hurt each other's case. However, every few years the MVP race has surprising candidates, players we didn't expect to be in the mix who end up playing so well and contribute to winning so much, they can't be avoided. Nikola Jokic in 2021 was only 12th in the betting odds, before that in 2019 Paul George finished in the top 3 after he wasn't seriously considered as a candidate, Derrick Rose way way back won it out of nowhere and became the youngest MVP ever. But this year, there are so many potential surprising MVP candidates player that I think can perform at an MVP level, and provided things go their way for them and their team, could, sudden, could suddenly be in the mix, or even lead the pack. There's four in particular that I want to bring to your attention today, in no particular order. Cleveland Cavaliers have been the talking point of the NBA in the last week or so, after completing the Donovan Mitchell trade. It is an exciting time for the Cavs, as Mitchell is the first all-star they're trading for, outside of the LeBron James years. And that's on top of a fantastic young core consisting of Darius Garland, Jared Allen, and Evan Mobley. There are a few gameplay and lineup challenges that JB Bickerstaff will have to solve, as the Garland Mitchell backcourt is quite defensively limited, but with the new set of twin towers up front in the face of Mobley and Allen, I expect the Cavs to be decent or more on defense, and on offense it's looking very, very good. Because of this year's playoffs, Donovan Mitchell is now underrated. Yes, he did perform poorly, but he's still one of the best shooting guards in the league and a guy that can create his own shot with ease. He adds a new layer to this team that makes them way more unpredictable. If things go well for the new team and they're able to get to the top 4 seed, I can see one of their stars being involved in the MVP talks. But I'm not talking about D. Mitch. I'm talking about Darius Garland. Last year he put up 22 points and 9 assists on 46, 38 and 90 percent splits on a team that lost in the play-in, but was heavily impacted by injuries. Now imagine if Garland is able to improve his numbers even slightly and is at 23 points and 10 assists, keeping his efficiency as high and the Cavs win over 50 games. He would be an All-NBA first-team contender and I could see him being considered for the MVP award too. Another player that to me could make a serious jump from perennial All-NBA to MVP candidate is one that I've been rooting for literally since day one. Carol Anthony Towns. We are now accustomed to big men leaving the post, having a more varied offensive game and shooting the tree. But when Cat entered the league in 2015, it really wasn't the case. Need I remind you that DeAndre Jordan was the OMBA first team center in Towns' first NBA season. So watching him at the time was really something, and I had such high hopes for him, Zach Levine and Andrew Wiggins, 
thinking that together they are going to be the future of this league. Obviously, that didn't happen, at least not together, but it's great to see all of them being established players in the league, and I think it's finally time for the best of them to make a move at the MVP. Cat will finally play on a team which on paper is a top 5 contender in the West. Minnesota showed amazing growth last year and added the best defending big men in the league, probably the only area where they lack talent. That, combined with the very probable development of Anthony Edwards, will translate into wins, which will bring more attention to the Wolves. But why Cat and not Anthony Edwards, some might ask. As I mentioned, I think the Gobert trade has the potential to unlock a whole new level of game for Carol Anthony Towns. He's never shared the court with such a defensive player, so while he has never been necessarily active on defense, something that I am not fond of, now he will be able to focus even more on offense and rebounding. Can he put up 30 points per game? Absolutely he can, at 40% from the tree from his career. And with 10 boards to add, plus 50 or more wins, it would be a no-brainer to include Cat in the MVP discussion. Next choice is surprising only in the context of the regular season. As this player is a seasoned player veteran who's proven on numerous occasions that is one of the top bowlers in the league, but he's also proven that isn't really interested in regular season individual success. I'm talking about Jimmy Butler. And again, Jimmy Butler is part of this conversation not because he is not a player good enough to win MVP, but just looking at his history in the regular season, his highest individual achievement is making the OMBA 13 three times, never have been in the second or first. His highest points average per game is 23. Rebounds and assists, he's at 7, and he averages between 4 and 6. These are not MVP numbers, and definitely don't come close to what he put up in the NBA Finals in 2020, 26, 9, and 8. So in what scenario would Jimmy Butler suddenly be an MVP contender? Simply put, I think the Heat might need it. They lost PJ Tucker in the summer and weren't able to cop to complete neither of the blockbuster trades discussed for Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell. Those talks signal that Miami feel the need to refresh their rosters especially considering that key pieces like Duncan Robinson, who was given a large contract a year or two ago, has fallen out of the rotation, while Kyle Lowry will be 37 in March. And it's not that the team is suddenly much worse. They still have formidable roster with Bam, Victor Oladipo, Tyler Hero, and some good role players like Max Struss and Gabe Vincent. But the East has gotten better. And I think that if Miami want to keep the first seat or stay within the top three, Jimmy Butler has to step up. What would happen if he were to put up career highs in both points, rebounds and assists? Something that is not impossible considering he has relatively low career highs in both in all three of them and led the Heat to another 55-win season on top of earning all defensive credentials. I believe that would be enough for Butler to be included in MVP conversation and would raise his individual profile. And last but not least, I have Zion Williamson. I was one of the people who back in 2019 thought that Zion was overrated. I wondered how his ridiculous physique will translate to the NBA, where players are much stronger than in college. And to me the hype was too big for a player who had obvious limitations in his game. Missing nearly all of his rookie year definitely didn't help, and I remember thinking that Williamson could end up being a flop. And then, the 2020-2021 season happened, and I was proven to be very, very wrong. Zion Williamson is a generational talent, his ability to score in the post is literally unseen at that, at that height, as he put up 27 points per game on more than 60% shooting from two in 61 games in that season. The closest we've seen to such season was from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Will Chamberlain, and both averaged only 25 points on 60% shooting and did it much later in their careers than, than their second season. That is historical, 
and was the main reason why I was so disappointed to see Zion out again last year, and the sprite ad where he looked so out of shape and the constant noise around his contract renewal definitely didn't help. But now Zion is back. He's in the best shape of his life, and he's joining a sensational team that pushed the reigning Western Conference champs and first seed Phoenix Suns to six games, with three rookies playing solid minutes for them in the playoffs. Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum are perennial all-stars, Jonas Valanciunas is one of the better starting centers in the league, and the likes of Herb Jones and Grand Theft Alvarado are expected to have better sophomore campaigns. I think this will result in New Orleans Pelicans winning more than 50 games and getting in the mix of the best teams in the West. If that happens, it means that Zion comes back and plays as he did in his second year or even better. And with 28 points on 60% shooting as part of a winning team, he will earn his place in the conversation. And what can help him a lot is his attractive style of play that also helped D-Rose in 2011. If I had to pick between these four scenarios as one I'd prefer to happen the most, I would pick Zion Williamson, as his domination would completely change the tone in the West and make the conference even more interesting than it currently is. These are my four MVP dark horse candidates for the 2022-2023 NBA season. Do you agree or disagree with them? Did I miss anyone? Let me know by sending me an email, I will leave it in my show's notes. By this time next week I will also have social media accounts for this podcast so you can communicate with me in a more convenient manner. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to so you never miss an episode. And until next time.